Hello, this is Lars Ubirai from Tonkapa.info. You are listening to Seeing World Podcast. Hey, y'all. This is the Seeing World Podcast. I'm AJ. Jurg is in Germany that way. Yeah. Touch your touch the touch the touch the mic. No, 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 camera, camera. Elliot. Sorry, that was my <laughs> ET reference. Um, <laughs> in a minute. Um, yeah. In a minute, we're going to be talking to Christine Bessa from uh, Reporters Without Borders, the uncensored library. This is a this is a good one. This is a biggins as well. I mean, this isn't. Uh, this is one of those ones where we we look at each other and we go, "What are we doing here?" But or 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 why are these people? Why are they talking to us? But it is awesome, and I hope everyone sticks around and watches that. Uh, before that, we've got a couple of pieces of news that we're going to get to. I will let Jörg start. I've actually got one that I found, so I'll let okay. you begin, sir. Yeah, well, unfortunately, the Japanese guitarist, composer, and band leader Ryo Kawasaki died mm. on um, April the 13th at age 73. He was um, the first to develop a guitar synthesizer in cooperation with Roland mm -hmm. and Korg, and his album... Um, Rio Kawasaki and the Golden Dragon Live was one of the first all digital recordings. And he also created the Kawasaki synthesizer for the Commodore 64, mm -hmm. which actually had like four parts of that software. Right. Um, right. Which is quite interesting because we often discuss that not so much can be heard about. Um, what came from Japan for the Commodore 64. Mm -hmm. Well, that's definitely a biggins. And this okay. um, music software was released in 83, so more at the beginning of the Commodore 64 life. Right, right. So, uh, yeah. So, actually, he created the Kawasaki synthesizer, the Kawasaki rhythm rocker, the Kawasaki musical... Miss Quilly and uh, the Kawasaki MIDI workstation. Okay, okay. So, a lot of stuff he did for the Commodore 64. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, that's probably something to look out on eBay for me. <laughs> now that I, 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 actually, I actually just saw one, I believe. I just saw one looking around last night. I, I, I saw it. Because it's yeah. on, it's because normally what you see is that is that chintzy keyboard that you know the, the the playing keyboard that just sits on top of the the c64 you know um you see those all all the time but last night when i was looking through ebay i found this other thing which was like a like a keyboard and and synthesizer and all that stuff for the 64 and i think that's probably what it was i'll see if i can find that again and send it to you <laughs> if you want to get poor <laughs> um on well. the <laughs> on we, the, we all have to make hard choices for this hobby sometimes. Yeah. On the other hand, um, another desk case, uh, Uwe Peters, ETP, um, Electronic Technic Peters, um, who was 
an online trading store and he also was an official repair business for Commodore licensed mm -hmm. and um, he died on the 13th of March at mm. the age of 80 and um, his daughter actually wrote on his homepage that um, others can still be placed of course they will getting out delayed because right, she's right. not um, an expert um, but that's good to know because we always worried what happens if he dies will the family just trash all the stuff or sell it in huge quantities on eBay no they're actually keeping the the mail trading business open okay so others can still be um, taken there you go yes um, Zitspieler who is known in the German retro scene for making recordings and releases um, on CD, for example, um, about Zit music, uh -huh. actually released an album with recordings from Chris Ulsbeck's To Be On Top album. Right. Well, To Be On Top is a, a game because Chris Ulsbeck originally wanted to be a game designer, mm -hmm. and To Be On Top is the game where he actually did the game design for the game. So it's um, a music game where you try to be on top of the charts. <laughs> and yeah. Hmm. So. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, I've got one here. Um, there's a, 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 a guy called uh, Pablo Roldan, I believe. That's, it's an A with a ring over it in the last name. Roldan. Um, he's a 3D artist and designer. And he has designed a um, a case for um, Gideon's Logic's um, um, Gideon Schweitzer, rather. I'm sorry, Gideon Logic, yeah, that's his name. Gideon Schweitzer's um, um, Ultimate 64, right? So this is a brand new case. Um, we don't know. It, it's a proof of concept he's released. There's no there's no plans for it. Like there's no there's no printing. Um, uh, information, uh, so we don't know if he's going to manufacture it or if it's just mm. something he did. It looks really cool, though. It's it's it, it looks like the sixty four C case with a little bit. The vents are different, and it's got an extra light on top for the drive, and it's got a very Amiga esque, um, like a like the side door, like the Zorro port expansion in the side. Um, it looks really cool from from the pictures that I'm looking at of it, and I'll probably be plopping them on the screen while we're talking. Um, but again, we don't. No one knows really what he's doing aside from just being like, "Hey, here's a case that I designed." So mm. maybe he'll have he'll sell it. Maybe he'll release the printing files, whatever they're called. The the you know you know what I'm talking about. Um, so they yeah, can be 3D files. printed. Yeah. yeah, so they can be 3D printed and and be of awful quality because that's what 3D printing does. Not always, not, not always. Not always, but but more often than not, I'm I'm disappointed by 3D printing. Really? Well, it depends on the material on the of the printer. It yeah. does entirely. Like there's a um, it's actually over here it's next to me. The um, like for instance, the FM YAM cartridge is 3D mm -hmm. printed, and you can tell looking at it that it was 3D printed by the texture of the cartridge. But 
this was very well done. It feels nice. It's smooth. Exactly. When you when you look at it, you can tell. Oh, this was three D printed, but it was three D printed well. Yeah. I've got other things that were three D printed, and it's like, oh, that was three D printed. You know. So hopefully, whoever you know, I'm sure that if if they release the files to do that. There will be some versions online that are are nice, and some versions that mm. look like someone made it out of spaghetti. Mm. Yeah, well, other other death news, unfortunately. Mm. Well, this is getting depressing. Yeah, this, man, this, you're this bringing time. me down. Um, Bytor by Eaglesoft mm. Incorporated, unfortunately, died um, of a heart attack on the twenty yeah. fourth of April. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I plan to stay alive and keep SteamWorld around for another twenty years. Me too. And and just to bring just to just to lighten the mood a little bit after all that, I, I'm gonna here here's a video of my of my dog printing out with Print Shop. I, I just posted it on Facebook before, and I figured, yeah, we'll use it, reuse it here. It's oh. cute. Um, it's cute, and, it makes, and he makes people happy. Sure, sure. Um, so, you news. Messiah, news. Messiah products are still... We, we talked two podcasts ago, maybe three, that Messiah products were out of stock. Um, they're back in. They're, no, they're still out of stock. Oh, that was that was the headline. They're still out of stock. I yeah. thought you were like some good news. Yeah, no, 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 no. Still bad news. They're still out of stock. But out of stock is better than discontinued. Yes, that is true. That is true. That that because there's still hope that they will be back in stock. Hmm. Um, um, well, there's... I got news. Um, Hans Ippisch announced um, links to uh, news media um, all over the world and okay. Germany, stating that uh, the first editions of their new Intellivision console, Amico, can now be exclusively bought from Saturn and MediaMarkt, hmm. which is interesting because Saturn and MediaMarkt are physical stores, so I suppose you can order them online because... I don't think anybody wants to go there in person right now. Um, so we'll, we'll link to that news piece in the podcast description, of course. Yeah. Um, other pieces of news is that Scotty Allen, which we had a few podcasts ago about the right to repair stuff, mm-hmm. and that we did because you know he's the iPhone guy. Yes. And he also worked um, together with. Uh, I fix it, which we also interviewed. Yes, and um, he he released a video on his YouTube channel, Strange Parts, a few days ago. That um, he won't be doing any regular video filming in the future because mm. he can't travel anywhere. So all yes. his travel plans and all his plans 
for video production this year has been cancelled and now he's trying to a um, release videos about projects that he never really completed right like he got the filming done but he decided it was not good enough for releasing maybe he's releasing that now and he is thinking about projects, small projects, do-it-yourself projects or something mm -hmm. that he can record and do in his place in New Mexico where he is residenting right now. Mm -hmm. um, he is out in the woods somewhere um, to be safe of the pandemic. Okay. So, um, yeah, that is actually the plans he has. And uh, we will link to that video also mm -hmm. down in the description. Yeah. Um, and speaking of, of the pandemic, um, um, double-sided games, um, in order to help ease people's suffering through this, they have made three of their games, um, Vegetables Deluxe for the C64, La Abbe des Mortis, I don't really know how to say that word, it's French-ish, um, for the C64, which is a great game, and Fire for the VIC-20, these are free. Wow. To help pass the time. And they say that they will stay free going forward. So Nice. Yeah. Where they were previously you know, eight dollars, five dollars for the Vic Twenty game. Now they're now they're just free. You can just get them on uh doublesidedgames.com. We'll put links to everything down there. Help pass the time while you're stuck at home. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Well that were the news bits from my side. That's, that's what I've got here as well. So there is well, there is another thing here that I, I just recently discovered, and this is from the beginning of the month, I guess, and it's a um, it's a new cartridge for uh, the sixty four. It's called Kung Fu Flash. So this is kind of a um, it's it, it's almost like a easy flash with an SD to IEC sort of thing built in right so it's a it's a it can emulate different cartridge types it can load prg files and d64 images um all you need to do is put them on an sd a micro sd card stick them in the there's a built-in launcher with it uh there's three buttons a reset button a menu button for starting the launcher in the cartridge and a special button that would be used by your freezer cartridges like if you have a super snapshot or something like that you know um there it, it can it can act as a it can use normal cartridge things it can use action replay um final cartridge three plus uh simon's basic ocean type one epics fast load super snapshot easy flash cartridges it can use um it can do you know crt images disk images d64 71 81 program files firmware update things uh you can also plug it into usb for updating you know, uh, uh, firmware and drivers and so forth. Um, so it's it's really there's lots and lots of of options with it. It looks like a really good cartridge. There's only uh, one. Where's the point? Where's and where it annoys you? I don't get it. It will only work with PAL C64s, and no. Oh. And it, will, and it will not work with the Commodore 128. Really? Yes. So it's not. It will not work with the N the NTSC version is not currently supported. Uh, disk drive currently emulation, supported. yeah. Okay. Disk drive emulation uses kernel vectors and will not work with fast loaders. Uh, currently, and, and REL files are not supported, and there is no write support. 
So, well, a so little, a, a, a long list of not supportive things. Yes, yes. So there's like like some really good things about it, but then at the same time, it's like, oh yeah, I can't use that at all because the two machines I have are an NTSC C64 and a 128. Neither of which it'll work on. Why don't you convert one to a PAL machine? Well, again, I made a I, proof concept. It's a matter of 48 oh, yeah. bucks or something. It's, it's less than that. It's a it's a VIC chip. It's the it's the switchable thing from individual. You know the yep. the the 8701 or whatever it's that that chip is. Generator, yeah, the clock right. generator replacement. Right. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's it. That's like, and, and you gotta and you gotta cut a jumper, or a solder jumper. I don't remember which it is. No, you don't need. You don't need it because that's in the clock generator too. Oh, oh, okay. It's all and the clock generator replacement is actually. Um, Working around the circuit, so mm-hmm. you don't need to cut a trace. Mm. Okay, so so yeah, I mean it's it's. I actually did that with my with my sixty four. I just didn't have a, a PAL monitor to hook it up to, but but again, for for the you know the purposes of nostalgia and whatnot, I pr- kind of prefer the NTSC. That's just that's me, you know. Like I can I can use if I if I want to do something in PAL, I I use the emulator. You know, I don't I don't concern that much with with running, you know, the actual hardware with that, just to, to do something that I normally wouldn't need to do. I'm I'm different. I got an ASIC 64 NTSC in 2008 just to be able to test NTSC see, stuff. See, that's something. If I if a PAL SX64 came my way, that would be a totally different thing because everything's. I don't need to worry about getting the monitor for it. I don't need to worry about. You know, I know. because that's, too, not, I'm, that's I'm, why I got it. Yeah. yeah, I'm picky about my monitors. You know, like I I've got. These these monitors over here, the Dells, they have S video input, right? They they really nice sharp picture. I don't like that, right? This guy here has S video input, but it's it's an SD LCD, so it shows it looks just like what your your CRT would look like, kind of. You know, it's got that little bit of fuzz to it that makes it look. I right. prefer the S CRT altogether. I I do as well, but but try to find one that doesn't cost you know your kidneys. In Germany, no problem. Yeah, well, maybe because in Germany. Here in Germany. Because here in Germany, all things are NTSC compatible anyway. Right, right. Unlike in USA. Yeah. Because right. I remember the video from the 8-bit guy mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. he had to try like three, four monitors yes. until he found one that would that would show the picture of mm-hmm. the C64 Mini Paul. Yep. Yep. And here in Germany, it's like no issue. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah, no, most of the here things in... In Europe, yeah, most most monitors in Europe will handle NTSC. For some reason, in the U.S., not monitors, they won't handle... but at least TVs. Yeah, but monitors as well. 10, monitors 1084 as well. is only black yeah. and white, of course. Right, right. But there is a 1084 that is dual. The 1084 DS uh, is NTSC and PAL. Ah, didn't know that. Switch. Okay. Yes, um, but but yeah, I mean that's yeah, it's it's hard to find them in the U.S. So. It's it's kind of a it, it's it's more of a of a of a project than than really is is important to me. I Again, use a TV for my NTSC yeah. sixty four. If if someone wants to send me a, a an SX sixty four, my email address is derision at sceneworld.org. By all means, let, let me know. I will be happy to pay for shipping. That's how that's how I got this. That's how I got the 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 Amiga. Someone offered it to me. So, yeah. hey, I'll I will be more, and I'll even I'll even mention you on the podcast. Hey, maybe you can come and be a guest. 
we could have a special guest, uh, a special episode for stuff for, for people, special episode of, of people that gave us the, yeah, <laughs> a special episode of people that gave stuff to us. That would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So alrighty. Yeah. Otherwise, that, yeah. that use part went seven minutes already. Yes, that was way more than I wanted to do for that. But yeah, so getting on with things, Ready. I'll just Bye. end that now. Nice. Well, sure. nice. So, so in that case, we should head on over to the the uncensored library in 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 Virtualville of of um, Minecraft, Mine, Minecraftian. I don't know what I, I there was I was going to I was going to do something with that and I forgot what that was but but it yes it slipped out of your mind it yeah. did it did it did there's no craft in my mind at all today um but <laughs> yeah, let's see what I did there <laughs> but Christine Minecraft it's Minecraft yes uh, yeah. yeah so Christine Bessa is waiting over there in the past kind of a little bit um, so we're going to go and check out what Reporters Without Borders is doing with the Uncensored Library. See ya. Today we are talking to Christine Besse from Reporters Without Borders. And you are Media and Public Relations Officer at Reporters Without Borders, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it went through the media recently that actually Reporters Without Borders um, in Germany made a new way of um, accessing forbidden information in c countries where the press isn't very free. And to yeah. reach this, you actually use a virtual library in Minecraft. That's right. Um, I mean, we used a very uncommon way, I would say, to overcome censorship, but uh, this was because we already had a similar campaign two years ago, which is called the Uncensored Playlist. And there we used uh, streaming platforms to overcome censorship. And this is how we kind of, we wanted to continue this way of overcoming uh, censorship in uh, autocracies. So uh, yeah, this is how we had the idea to use Minecraft. Interesting. So what kind of, so, so um, when we talk about countries that that censor um, what's coming out, we're going out. We're talking about places like like China and and uh, probably like North Korea, stuff like that, where they they really have a lockdown on on what the press says and what gets out about them. Um, what sort of things were done before this to try to get information out? Yeah, I mean, people always have certain ways to overcome censorship or to, to try to get information, for example, through VPN clients. So people, if they are tech-savvy, I would say they have ways to find information they're looking for, but it's not accessible for everyone, especially not for young people. So. Right, right. So how did this idea of using the Minecraft um, environment actually sprung up? I mean, it's a pretty unique, um, well, I would say starting point. Especially yeah, well, Jörg, why don't you why don't you explain what Minecraft is to some people? Because <laughs> you know, you you think it's it's fairly ubiquitous, and and I I thought I had a good grasp of what Minecraft was, but I've never actually played Minecraft, and so in researching this, I was like, oh wait, no, this is this is way more than what I thought it was. I mean, it's like. 
an open world game so everyone can access it from all over the world and people can build their own worlds with uh, little blocks so this is how the game looks like it's this optic of blocks people can build their have built, like build their own buildings and uh, this is why we kind of chose this game because it's accessible by everyone people can create their own worlds and uh, also it's played by so many people around the world by millions mm -hmm. hundreds and millions yeah Right, right. Ah, so, so, so I get it's actually not meant only or primarily to get access of forbidden information, kind of, for the already working journalists, but especially for young young people, younger generations mm -hmm. that yeah, probably I used to play Minecraft. Exactly. I mean, that's why we use, we chose Minecraft to actually also target young people because, I mean, it's really sad that young people around the world can't have access to free information and they play this game. They, like, they, we can really engage them with this game because they go onto our island and to the server and then lots of people already write like, wow, this is such an amazing building because it's even for Minecraft players, it's really like amazing what like how the library looks like and it's very impressive and this is how we engage people from the beginning because we we get them into like they see this building and then they're interested and look at the content and start to talk to each other so it's all yeah it's minecraft is really good to engage people i guess yeah i'm looking at a picture of the building uh <laughs> right there and it is it is very impressive and when we when we put this podcast out I'll, we'll, we'll put a picture of it over here so people can see what it looks like <laughs> i mean it is it, it looks when i think of minecraft i think of you know you know basically lego you know and, and this thing is a massive massive you, you, you know a colonnaded building with the dome and and, and the, the the statue in the front and everything it's it's really well made and very impressive mm. yeah i mean our agency worked for like three months they took and it was 24 people that built their library. So, I mean, they actually have to put the blocks on top of each other. So right, it's right. kind of physical work. <laughs> so that's why it took so long. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Actually, interesting to mention maybe, uh, in my free time, I often talk to people from other uh, countries and so on. And I learned that some Chinese people even don't know about the censorship, pretty young ones. I mm -hmm. spoke to one that moved to Norway to actually study abroad and just after she was in Norway she realized oh my god there are so many homepages I can't access <laughs> within um, China and when you mentioned services like YouTube or Facebook or whatsoever they usually say oh, it's probably bad connection or something and mm -hmm. um, so I wonder if you got any feedback from any youngsters in those countries that weren't aware that some things aren't accessible and just found out mm -hmm. thanks to your library. I mean, of course, they didn't know about this content because it's not accessible <laughs> in their countries. So um, we kind of got lots of feedback from people that uh, that read the articles and got really like into the topic of press freedom for the first time, but not specifically that someone said, oh, I always wanted to read this because if you don't know about it, how would you say that, <laughs> that you <laughs> said you want to read it? Yeah, but at least we know that lots of people um, 
also not from the countries that we target in our library, but also from other countries really, like they ask questions, like you said, they talk to each other because there's this chat in Minecraft. So we, we see that people really learn a lot and it's kind of an educational tool as well. So for example, if you people from the US, they don't think that they are so low on the Press Freedom Index and then they're like, yeah, why is that? And they can also, for example, if um, there's someone from Russia, they can ask people in Russia or young people, um, how is the situation? Is it really that bad? Can you really not? Because for us, for example, in Germany, you can't really imagine that you are not able to access websites or that you're not able to access information. So it's also a kind of an educational tool. Mm. I think it's always a matter of perspective in a way. Um, mm. I, because I know somebody, for example, that um, works as a press person in Russia and um, she works in retro gaming field. Mm. So she, she writes uh, articles about the old times of computing in Europe or something. And I guess such a topic is not really regulated by the government of Russia. So she wouldn't really feel any barriers or something. Um, but I guess if it comes to, to other topics like COVID-19, for example, at least here in Germany, it's, of, it's often discussed if, if even the information is correct. Mm. So I guess it, it really depends on the topic. Yeah, also, but also some independent platforms in general are blocked. So, I mean, Granny Rue, which is in our library, they, are, they talk about lots of different topics. LGBTQ plus also it's a very big top like topic they write about uh, and of course that's not really accessible in Russia so mm. yeah but like you say it's probably a, a way of perspective <laughs> so are there any precautions you take to make sure that your uncensored library doesn't get attacked mm. I guess this also makes it a target in a way yeah, we had some had hacking attacks already. <laughs> so, yeah, but until now, like it was taken down for a few hours sometimes on the weekend when there were like, yeah, also when there was a run on the library. But for now, we could keep it up and we have like, we look like our agency is looking for like security measures and how we can secure it further. Um, and also, because we don't want it to be censored, of course. Um, right. The good thing is that you can download the map on our website, so people can download it for themselves and then upload it again on their own servers. Okay. So this way it will be spread all over the world. So if even if, if our server gets censored one day, it's already available everywhere. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. since this is over the internet, you know, it, it all it would take really is the government deciding to censor that that chunk of internet and now suddenly people can't access this mm. but by making it downloadable then you have essentially like like they it's, it's whack-a-mole they stomp down one and it pops up over here and then they exactly. stomp that down and it pops up over there which is yeah fantastic and yeah so many people already downloaded it like over sixty thousand. so i think it's uh yeah we can be sure that it won't be blocked very soon <laughs> well that's awesome yeah. And also thanks to using Minecraft and 
you even made this very interesting for um, IT media around the world. I, I've seen it mentioned a lot of German media websites and also American websites. So it got really, really um, a hot topic in the last weeks. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. yeah. No, what did you want to say? <laughs> I wanted to say you said earlier at the beginning that you had other campaigns that weren't so widespread. Um, no, I mean, I said that we had a similar campaign two years ago, which was also very uh, popular. So, yeah, but this is like a very different target group. We never had like any thing to do with gaming <laughs> media before and gamers around the world. So it's very nice to engage with other target groups and young people, especially. So, yeah, especially with the popular of popularity of Minecraft, because Minecraft is super popular. Yeah. I know uh, maybe 10 15 years ago, maybe when when Second Life really became a thing originally, some places tried to do something similar, not necessarily using it as a way to to get around censorship rules, but as a way to have like an online virtual presence. Mm -hmm. The only problem is that there's like four people that actually still use Second Life at this point, so it doesn't it still exists, but nobody knows about it, and, and it's so kind of yeah, just, I guess. Just, broken up that you can't find anything anymore yeah i guess we can be lucky that minecraft has been so popular for such yeah. a long time and it's built up its audience right right and there's yeah. no no signs that it's losing any popularity. yeah exactly <laughs> especially not with the ants in the library <laughs> yeah right yeah <laughs> no I guess there's yeah. another reason also compared to other things like Second Life, Minecraft is available on all platforms you can imagine. Yeah. If it's a switch, a mobile phone, a tablet, it's mm, basically everywhere. Yeah. And also in almost every country. <laughs> yeah. Almost? Is there a country it's not in? Yeah, I mean, China actually has a different version of Minecraft, mm. so our library is not accessible there but hmm. that's also one of the reasons why china is not in our one of the rooms in our library okay interesting yeah. as you said hmm. a different version of minecraft are you working on something maybe to <laughs> get this no. whole closed no 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 that's too much to build a whole new server or library or library on another server that works there what we got to do is we got to start smuggling in Minecraft to China so they can maybe that begin their own servers. Way. Yeah. But yeah, that's another task. For yeah, another yeah. Time. That's like that. That that's kind of weird because that's almost like the state-run. Like uh, you know, North Korea has its own version of an operating system for the computers, which is, I think it's Linux-based. But you know, it looks like looks like a kindergartner tried to draw Windows, basically. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's that's kind of and it, yeah. it probably just stop the certain things. Now, what kind of um, what kind of information like 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 um, I'm trying to figure out how to how to pose this question, and <laughs> words aren't really working. Um, um, how have you seen this help socially? Like 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 how have you seen this have an impact? As far as getting information out, like like what kind of information are people benefiting from, and and how how are they benefiting from getting that? Hmm. The like one thing that is really amazing is how people 
all over the world engage with the topic of press freedom. So mm -hmm. it's not only in these countries, like in Egypt, of course, there are also people can finally access information about internet laws or like things they couldn't read about before. But in general, it's very nice to see how people can benefit from information about their own countries. And even though maybe they just wouldn't access the website of Reporters Without Borders. So it's nice to put this information to gamers. Uh, in this way, so right, right. I think I need to play <laughs> Minecraft now. Yeah, I'm also playing much more now. But <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned agency. So, is it mm -hmm. um, reporters with art borders themselves that created this library, or is it some external agency? External, of course. <laughs> We don't have the knowledge to build. A library in Minecraft. So it's actually um, Blockworks. They have lots of projects and build lots of buildings in Minecraft. It's also for educational purposes. So they uh, build the library for us because it's like it's a piece of architecture. So hmm. um, it takes more than Reporters Without Borders to do this. And it's not only Blockworks, it's also a creative agency that we had. Um, they had did like all the artwork and the design. So it's a lot of people that were involved. Yeah, it you is. never I know. Mean, yeah, <laughs> I'm still I'm still looking at pictures of this, and it is really. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm reading that there are actually teleporters in the place because trying to explore the building on your own would take you your entire life. So there's. Yeah, it's very yeah. big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's why we have the teleporters to get from one place to another, and also to yeah, so that people don't get lost. <laughs> That is excellent. That is amazing. Yeah. And it comes at a, at a great, a great time. Well, it's not, it's not a great time because there's lots of stuff going on. Um, I just, you know, especially with the COVID-19 thing, we're all kind of stuck at home and getting out to find a lot of stuff. And, and, you know, people are spending more time, I feel, online learning things. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, classes are being held from home. Schooling is being done from home, and to have like, to have something like this that that younger people and 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 and, and older people. I'm sure that there's older people that that use that yeah. Minecraft. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that it's just children, um, but it, it's nice to have access to this sort of thing. Yeah, it's, it's kind of this mix of gaming and education. Yeah, that's really really good and important, I guess, in these times. Right, right. Now I wonder, how do you go about expanding the library in the future, maybe? I mean, one thing of a library is it's expanding with the years, when more mm -hmm. knowledge is being created and written down in books. Do you have a plan for that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we already added some articles and also uh, we add Corona information because we, as Reporters Without Borders, this topic is very important for us because it has lots of effects on press freedom, mm -hmm. censorship in countries, uh, journalists get jailed, and there's so many cases all over the world, and we have information that we want to add about uh, corona and how it affects press freedom. Um, but uh, this is more general information and not articles that are censored, but also 
we were planning to add more countries, but of course it's really hard because we have to build more rooms and we can't do it. So Blockworks has to build it for us and it takes a lot of lots of time. So yeah. we are working on it, but it's yeah. How does the how does the 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 COVID the current COVID pandemic uh, affect press freedom? That's that's an interesting topic. Mm. It's a little off topic from what we're really talking about, but but how in what <laughs> way does that affect like the freedom? Different of ways. Um, for example, I mean, in, in China, we could see that journalists were killed or they were like, suddenly they were not seen anymore because they were reporting um, from Wuhan, like from the center mm -hmm. of the epidemic. So they were um, really like, they were trying to uncover like, what was going wrong and how China was dealing with, uh, with the crisis. Um, so, like I said, there are repressions on journalists in many countries. Um, mm. Laws are being changed, like in Hungary last week, or, yeah, last week, um, so that uh, governments have even more power to restrict information. They can only say that true information can access the public. Um, so it's even, like, it's very, very sad to see how like rights are being restricted, like rights, mm -hmm. like press freedom or freedom of information. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I saw somebody, I, I spoke to someone the other day that uh, we were talking about all the things that are happening right now mm. as far as taking away in, you know, individual rights in order to save, you know, mm. the rest of us. And the, you know, the, the comment that they made to me was that it's real easy to, to do this and, and use mm. this as the crisis as a, an excuse to do it. But it's, it's harder to put it back the way it was. That's true. Like, even if it's individual rights, like, I mean, it's not even an individual right to say what you, <laughs> to say the truth, but um, like, it's the right to say what we, what we want to say and freedom of information is so important. And right now it's really restricted all over the world. So yeah. not only that we are not allowed to go outside or anything, but. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, th now this is the uncensored library, but there's a difference yeah. between between being uncensored and being being correct, right? Yeah. So, so um, how do you or do you kind of vet the stuff that's in there? Do you do you um, like verify that the the stuff that is being presented in the uncensored library is not, you know, propaganda or some something you know that is that is untrue because. Because when, mm -hmm. when you're arguing for uncensored press, you know, that could also be, you know, saying something that's totally untrue, in, you know, in order to yeah, attack the agenda. Of course. Um, we selected, like, we, we curate the, all the articles, so we, as Reporters Without Borders, we made contact with the journalists and, and the media outlets, so we, we already, we know some of them already, and uh, we, they are in our network, so we know that uh, what they write, and we also checked, of course, uh, if it's correct as far as we could, but yeah. Okay. So this looks like a fantastic resource for people. Now, do you have any concerns about, like, like because the, the more people know about this, the mm -hmm. more you can be, you know, you mentioned being, having, being attacked a couple of times, you know, having a couple of, um, a couple of that, but is there are there any worries going forward as more people learn about this that that mm -hmm. is going to become going to come under greater fire? Not really. I mean, because governments don't really see a computer game as a threat to their power. 
So yeah. it, even though it, we reach a lot of, lots of people, they don't really see it as a threat. Like also with our streaming, like the campaign we had two years ago, we didn't see like any triage from uh, governments to censor streaming platforms. So it's a similar way. And I'm not concerned that uh, there will be even more attacks because we already, I mean, we can see that if there are more YouTube videos, for example, from gamers that play the, like show the, the library, um, we can see that there are a few more attacks, but for now it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> we can handle it. <laughs> I mean, as soon as you make an interview about it or report about it, you're always in the risk of being blocked, you know? Could also happen yeah. when we release this podcast episode that in a few weeks <laughs> we are not accessible from Yeah, we're, from, we're not going to be in China, China anymore. anymore. <laughs> you know? Maybe. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but it's, yeah, that's always yeah. what we have to, to put up with, I guess. <laughs> yeah, before we did this, Jurg asked me, you know, is it worth the, is it worth the risk that someone's going to notice and and suddenly we're blocked. And I was like, well, yeah, because this is, this is, you know, we, we talk on this podcast about, you know, old, old games and, and people that are, are producing, you know, new video games and this and that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, ultimately in the, in the course of human history, this is, you know, they're, they're fairly insignificant things. Whereas this, the, the freedom of press and the ability to get information where it needs to be without being hindered by by governments and censors and everything else is a much more important topic than you know somebody made a a, a, a new shoot 'em up game mm. you know for a 40 year old computer so you know it's i said yeah it's absolutely worth the risk even if we get get canned out of a couple of countries yeah this is this is an, an important topic to talk about this is something people should know about and and if you know our six or seven listeners will now know about it then <laughs> that's that's six or seven people i didn't know about it before you know yeah and what you're saying is exactly what shouldn't happen that people censor themselves mm -hmm. because they're scared of like what's happening and that they get censored right because right. yeah that's exactly maybe what's happening in mexico that people don't publish because it, of course it's different but because they're scared that they will be killed i mean it's not it's not can't be like that yeah it's really right. sad so right. thank you for publishing it and spreading it and well we figured it. out we have an we have an editor in china i guess if he can't access our website anymore we will know soon enough <laughs> yeah we'll be in trouble that's okay <laughs> <laughs> um, human rights <laughs> actually actually we had an interview about archiving information and so on with the Internet Archive a few months ago. Mm. And I wonder if that is something you consider maybe, you know, maybe co-hosting it on the Internet Archive or something? Yeah, interesting. Actually, we didn't think about that before, but uh, good point. <laughs> but yeah, good. Yeah. I, I even know the people in, in charge. Maybe I can give you some email addresses if yeah. you are interested. Yeah, yeah, of course. We always like we also learn every day we learn something new from people that write us and maybe want to host the uh, library on their server and we don't know how to handle that so we learn something new every day so if you <laughs> want to pass on the contact yeah hmm. be nice. excellent i mean i mean researching about uh, reporters without borders i actually figured you originally a, a french organization 
headquartered mm -hmm. in Paris and you, you are pretty large. So I uh, was yeah. wondering, maybe you have <laughs> the resources already to um, think about how to archive it or something. So I'm a bit surprised you said you are, you, you are using external agencies so lot. No, because um, the German bureau is, or the section is separated from uh, the Paris headquarters. So we are our own organization kind of um, quite big. So it was all, it all comes from the German section and not from Paris. So, but it's still, of course, it's an international campaign, but we planned it and implemented it. and. Now, um, yeah, following up with it, so right. we don't have the resources. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking. You know, Reporters mm -hmm. Without Borders is is fan is a fantastic organization, and but it's still, you know, it's it's a it's it's reporters and it's people working to get information out. But I, I'm I'm looking at the at a thing here that's you know there's 146 correspondents out in the in the field and there's mm -hmm. 57 salaried staff internationally. You know, I mean that's you know that's not it's it's a it, it's it's a not a not a massive conglomerate of of you know of people and or and, and and reporters and and different um hmm. you, know, you know there probably isn't a a i don't remember what i was talking about just a minute ago my brain just shut off <laughs> fortunately we're not live so we can edit that out perfect um, <laughs> What, um, what, what I'm saying though is that there's there's the, the the resources to to there's not like an R and D section that's that's really working to to figure out you know like oh well, we can we can do this and then we can we can make that it's mostly focused on on reporting and and gathering the information and coordinating that yeah mostly focused on researching which countries harm human rights or harm journalists. Um, how we can help journalists in countries where press freedom is not normal or not common. So yeah, yeah. this is what we focus on. Thank well, you. Well, on the on <laughs> the other hand, you are very much known. I mean, I I knew about reporters without borders before we had this interview here, and oh, yeah. so I guess that's that's a good thing. So you can use your uh, how to say fame. Um, to, to spread new ideas. Um, yeah. I just, I just wonder, um, how do you go with new ideas? Do you have a department that, or, or somebody that thinks about new ways of making information accessible to um, countries that has problems in this area? How do you generally work out new ideas? Mm. Um, usually, it's. Uh, in cooperation with creative agencies because they are desperate to do something for a good cause. <laughs> so they write us and come up with uh, lots of ideas. And then also we, if we want to do like do a big public uh, action, uh, we go to agencies and ask them if they can support us, if they have any ideas or if they can put our idea into practice. So usually it's always with agencies that help us and support us. Because we, I mean, like you said, we have resources in research and like writing about um, where press freedom or human rights are heard all over the world, but we don't have that many resources like putting creative actions into practice. So right, right. that's where we need help. <laughs>
So this means this interview is also a way for you to make it accessible to a new audience. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy that we can talk to a new audience and I'm very, like, I'm glad that uh, people engage with the topic and Reporters Without Borders, of course, and if we like, like, when new people follow us on social media, we love it when, when they ask questions or, like, if they know about it for the first time, even maybe it's totally okay. <laughs> you can uh, you can ask any question you want, and it's very good to to start to engage with press freedom, and because it's very important in these times. Well, where can people follow you to to learn about this and 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 to ask questions and mm -hmm. to really get engaged and involved? Uh, mainly Twitter. We have a lot of posts like tweets every day and Facebook we have lots of videos um, on Instagram as well we post stories and uh, inform about like what happens every day and yeah we really do a lot to engage with the public so okay beautiful we on our German accounts but also on the on the international accounts as well <laughs> <laughs> we'll put links to everything in the podcast description below and probably on the video down there or there's mm -hmm. somewhere at the bottom of the screen. <laughs> Perfect. Great. Great. <laughs> I'm looking here at the at the at the Reporters Without Borders site and they're talking mm -hmm. about the different um, how the COVID nineteen thing has has hurt it and, and there's you know, Myanmar is blocking sites because of fake news and mm -hmm. it's it's you would think with a crisis like this, you the countries would want information to get out there and want people to know what's happening so that they can they can best coordinate. You know how to you know because if 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 I'm in the U.S. and if we didn't know what was going on outside of here, if we weren't on if we weren't aware of what was happening in China and in 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 Italy and all these other places, you know, none of our we wouldn't take any of this seriously. Mm. You know, but it's it's just strange that people are really, the countries are trying to stop people from covering the outbreak in their own countries. I just yeah, of course. I mean, that's always strange. Why you don't want governments to their their people to be informed about things that are happening yeah. in the countries because they want to have the power because they want to lead like what information is published and they don't want the journalists or the media to to have the lead in this so right. so they have the power in like coordinating or communicating what they want also to other countries yeah because it's all about diplomatic relations of course so it's, yeah it's very sad yeah yeah it's a it's a strange strange world that we live in now yeah yeah. I guess it also depends yeah. a bit on the culture and where you're coming from. I know in, in my city here of Mannheim, when we had two cases, people weren't worried, you know. But when I talked to a friend in mm -hmm. Istanbul, in Turkey, they were totally freaking, freaking out because of one case. Mm -hmm. So I guess mm -hmm. it's totally a matter of perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Or of the health system. <laughs> well, thank you for taking the time for, uh, to sit with us yeah, sure. and talk about this. This has been awesome. And as I said, I'm going to, I have to go now download Minecraft and 
mm-hmm. check this out because it is fascinating and and it's it's it really is massive and it's huge and yeah hopefully people are watching the video version of this so they can see the pictures that we're putting up so they, they should or else they were missing out a lot yes <laughs> just, just on one your question. beautiful face yep okay great. great thanks a lot okay. so i would say have a nice day i guess it's yes. it's your <laughs> time off work in a few minutes Ah, uh, yeah, a bit more to do, but <laughs> yeah, we are we're very busy, like you can see, like yeah. for the like, news on Corona and so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Busy. yeah. <laughs> okay. I needed some yeah. emails back and forth to make an arrangement that works for everybody, so I'm aware, mm. right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's hey. keep in touch. Yeah, and if yeah, there's you know, where we can do a follow up down in the in the future, you know, if, when new things happen, if there's something that that, you know, if you expand to a different platform or if there's a, an addition to it on 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 this, you know, we would love to hear from mm-hmm. you again and, and and bring you in again and and talk about it. Yeah, if you like, yeah, It'd be nice. Yeah, great. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Okay, Have a nice thank evening. you so much. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Okay.